Good morning. I invite you to turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. As we continue in our series on the runaway prophet and the rescuing God, we're going to be looking at one verse of Scripture this morning. And that is verse 17. Let's read this together. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth of Your Word. And we thank You for the work of Your Word in our lives. Lord, as we look at the beauty of Your salvation found in the pages of Scripture. Lord, we pray that You would bless Your Word and when You would use us to... You would use it, Lord, to glorify Your name and to help us... Help us to glorify You in all things in our life. Let's pray. Amen. Jonah's been on the run. Right, we found us ourselves in this the middle of this story. Uh, Jonah he wants a way out of being God's prophet. If being God's prophet means going to this city named Nineveh, and so we we found ourselves where Jonah has fled the presence of the Lord. And uh, you know we know as Jonah knows that uh, it's really foolish to run from God. And uh, but. You know, the thing that we also know is that when sin festers in our human heart, we, it leads us to do foolish things. And so Jonah knows the truth about God, but he is running away from God because his heart is far from God. And so Jonah knows better than to try to flee from God, but hey, he's giving it his best shot anyway. And, and uh, I, I've, you know, I, find, um, I find myself in the story of Jonah. Uh, when I when I think about my life and, um, and 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 you too may have found your place in Jonah as you reflect on his heart, but while on the run to Tarshish, uh, we we learned that his ship was overtaken by a terrible storm, and that terrible storm was sent by God, and uh, we saw this crew, these sailors who were struggling uh, just to survive. They were struggling against the storm. They were trying to rescue the ship, and they were trying to preserve their lives. But then they finally gave way to the reluctance and, and they obeyed Jonah's instructions and they cast this wayward prophet uh, into the sea. And so finally, Jonah sacrifices himself and the sailors are saved. Now, where we pick up in this story is we see that while the sailors breathed a sigh of relief above deck, Jonah's life hung in the balance in the water, waters below. But what we're going to find out this morning is that God had not forgotten Jonah. Instead, He had already 
ordained a plan of salvation for him. And just as the waters close over his head, and just as Jonah sinks into the depths, God displays yet again His sovereignty over creation. And He sends not another storm to overwhelm Jonah, but a great fish to swallow him. And, you know, many people have questioned this passage of Scripture. Uh, Many people have questioned, how is this even possible? How is this story even possible? And this question has been asked by skeptics and critics over the centuries. But the right question is not for us to ask whether this miracle could happen, but why is it happening? Why? What is going on here? And what is it, why is it important for Jonah and us today? Even though the author only casually mentions the great fish in this book, it is mostly the only part of the story that people actually remember. The the story is not about a great fish, but it's about a great God. George Campbell Morgan said once once put it, men have been looking so hard at the great fish that they have missed the great God. And with this exhortation in mind, I want to make sure that we don't miss what this verse says about God. That we don't miss what this Scripture teaches us about God. God comes to us in this text and through His text by the power of the Holy Spirit to confront us, to capture us, and to carry us to the end of ourselves just as He did Jonah. So let's not miss the great God because we've been staring too long at a great fish. So let's continue in the story of this runaway prophet and this rescuing God. We find ourselves in one verse uh, uh, this morning. And it is a very important verse in in the Bible. It's a very important climatic um, uh, happening in in the story of Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. There's three really important truths I want us to see from this verse this morning. The first one is that God was responsible for Jonah's rescue. God was responsible for Jonah's rescue. Where do we get this? The very first part of that verse says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The word appointed here means to be ordained. The word is used four different times in this book and always points to the Lord's power to accomplish His sovereign will. So this text indicates that that God has ordained this fish by the power of His sovereign will to be at this exact place at this exact time to accomplish His exact purpose for this exact moment of need. This did not happen by chance. This was a miracle. And when we talk about miracles in the Bible, and this is where a lot of critics and a lot of skepticism comes in. And a lot of people actually use this verse to say that the Bible is just a fairy tale. Because how is this, how could this actually possibly happen? When we talk about miracles, this fish being able to swallow a man and being at this right place at this right time for this, this right moment of need, We talk about a miracle. We're talking about a divine act 
beyond human replication or explanation. That's what a miracle actually is. So what we're talking about here this morning is a miracle. This rescue could only be accomplished by the One who is the Lord over all creation. How is this possible? Because it was a miracle. And it was a miracle that could only be attributed to the Lord. So if Jonah was right about God in verse 9 of chapter 1, if Jonah was right that God is indeed sovereign over all things, then he can do and control anything he pleases to accomplish his purposes. He says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. God intended, He appointed, He ordained this fish to rescue Jonah. And this morning I want you to see that uh, this, that we must see that the fish is not a means of punishment, but a means of salvation. The author here wants us to see that salvation is not by chance, but by the sovereign appointed will of God. God was completely responsible for Jonah's rescue because He had appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. But not only was God responsible for Jonah's rescue, God was also merciful in Jonah's rescue. Now you won't see the verse, uh, the word merciful or mercy in this verse, but when you study the word appointed, you see a far deeper truth. This book records a miracle that is characterized not just by the preservation of Jonah's life, but also by the restoration of his heart. The deeper, merciful work of God took place not just on the belly, in the belly of the fish, but also in the heart of this runaway prophet. Not just in the realm of nature, but it was in the realm of grace. When we look closer at the word appointed, we see that God was not just mercifully preserving Jonah's life. Oh, I'm going to send a great fish so that you don't, do not die. He was mercifully and unyieldingly pursuing uh, Jonah's heart. So He sent salvation to Jonah in the form of a fish. In the first 16 verses of this book, we see references to the downward trajectory of Jonah's life as he ran away from the presence of the Lord. He went down from jo to Joppa to flee the presence of the Lord. He went down into the ship to get away from the presence of the Lord. He went further down into the inner parts of the ship to, to get away from the presence of the Lord. He was descending in the depths of the floodwaters of judgment. This is a downward trajectory in Jonah's life. And later on in this book, as soon as next week, we're going to see this, this truth greater realized. But today, I don't want you to miss the beautiful, relentless, unyielding, merciful pursuit of God to save Jonah from judgment and to grow him in the deep truths of who God really is. Don't miss that God, God here, He is, was merciful in Jonah's rescue. He did not have to provide a way of salvation for Jonah, but He did in His mercy. Jonah is going to realize what you and I already know. 
he's going to realize a, and have a greater sense of the mercy of God. It has been said you never realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And Jonah will find that in the belly of the fish as God mercifully, mercifully works in his heart. This is what it means when it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. The sovereign creator of the universe is not only the agent of Jonah's rescue, but he's also merciful in Jonah's rescue. He is doing something in Jonah's heart, and it is a miracle. Don't get caught up in the fish, but look what God is actually doing in this man's heart. So not only was God responsible for Jonah's rescue, not only was God merciful in God's, uh, Jonah's rescue, but God was also making ready for a greater rescue. It says that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Like I said at the beginning of our sermon, we, we, we see Jonah's heart, when we see in Jonah's heart almost a reflection of our own. Like I can see that. But, but I don't want us to stop there this morning because the book doesn't stop there. And, and by the way, it's really depressing if we just look at Jonah's heart and we see our own heart. I don't want us to stop there. Instead, we need to see the book of Jonah. What we're, what we're, what we're really seeing is something that we see all throughout the Old Testament. And that is, the book of Jonah is pointing us ultimately to Jesus. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we must, we must approach it with a very important kind of biblical interpretation. And here it is. Sometimes individuals, events, experiences, and institutions are used as types of Christ and or find their fulfillment in Christ. This is... Typology. This would be typological interpretation. And a typological interpretation is not based on a symbol. Some people would say that the book of Jonah was a symbol. Some people would say the, the book of Jonah was a story. But what we learn here is that through typological interpretation, that it is an actual historical event that that deals with parallel fulfillment. And when it comes to the Old Testament, typological interpretation is based on the belief that the whole Bible, the Old Testament, looks beyond itself for its interpretation. And there's many examples of this in the Bible. There, there is King David, who, who Jesus would prove to be the final and greater king. There is the first Adam, and then Jesus being the last Adam. But I want us just to take a minute to, to help us before we dive into uh, this interpretation with the book of Jonah. Let's look, at the, let's look at the nation of Israel. Because of their sin, the Lord deported Israel. He put them into captivity. And because of his sin, he actually divorced his people. He put them away. And then, because of their sin, he deserted his temple. His presence left the temple. 
And finally, because of their sin, He destroyed their city. This is what we see. We look in the major prophets. This is what they prophesied about. And this is what came to play. But of every aspect of judgment in this Old Testament story of Israel, there is a corresponding act of salvation fulfilled through Christ. You see, this, this is what it means by uh, uh, typology. We interpret the Bible that, that for every aspect of judgment concerning Israel, there is a corresponding act of salvation fulfilled through Christ. In other words, there was an exodus that took place out of Egypt. And there is a new exodus that will take place. And that is take place in your and my heart that saves completely. There was an old marriage. There was an old covenant that was between a nation and their one true God. And now there is a new marriage that will flourish beautifully between Christ and His church. Before, there was a beautiful temple to where God had ordained and He instructed to be created to house His presence. And through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, there is a new temple to where that houses the presence of God. And that is our very own lives. And then there is a new creation coming. A new creation that will dawn when Christ is returned. The city of Jerusalem will restore, was um, uh, was destroyed, but there is coming a new Jerusalem. There is coming a new Jerusalem. This is this is just an example of what we are talking about when we approach the, the the word. These historical events of Israel in the Old Testament are ultimately and finally fulfilled through the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and second coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is what that means when we talk about studying the Bible through types. And remember what we said at the beginning. If we focus too much on the miracle of the great fish, we will miss the revelation of a great God. This account of Jonah's salvation and the salvation of the Ninevites has far greater meaning than just a fish and a people. It has far greater meaning because God is making ready for a greater rescue from a greater Jonah. Jesus said as much as this in Matthew 12, 38-41. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from You. But He answered them, He said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. In this passage here, we see that Jesus knew. He knew what you and I need to know. That all of Scripture was about Him. All of Scripture was about Him. And by His sovereign will, He appointed the means of salvation to Jonah to point to Himself as the means of salvation for all who would repent and believe. 
Because Matthew 12 and other references, Matthew 16, uh, the Gospel of Luke, to Jonah, we must approach our study of verse 17 and the whole book of Jonah in view of typology. When we look at Jonah and Jesus, we see a lot. And I, I pray that the Lord is already beginning to show you through some of the simple things in Scripture, but also the deep things about Him, the many contrasts and parallels between Jesus and Jonah. We look at contrast. We look how Jonah reluctantly preaches to sinners in need of grace. And Jesus relentlessly pursues sinners in need of grace. You see the contrast. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did, he did not want to preach a message of salvation to those people. He reluctantly and rebelliously ran from the Lord because he did not want to preach the message of salvation to his enemy. But Jesus relentlessly pursues sinners in need of Christ, uh, grace. We see Jonah reluctantly go to a city filled with his enemies. And we see Jesus relentlessly go to the cross for the sake of His enemies. As a result of Jonah's work, the people of Nineveh are temporarily spared from God's judgment. But as a result of Jesus' work on the cross, the nations are eternally spared from God's judgment. These are the contrasts we see. And then we see many parallels. Both preach God's message of judgment upon sin. Both chose death forsaken by others. Both bore and removed the consequences of sin from others. Jonah temporarily, Jesus eternally. Both caused the storm to cease. Jonah through repentance, Jesus by His divinity. Jonah entered the belly of the fish, Jesus entered the belly of the grave. Jonah was alive after three days in a fish, Jesus is alive after three days in the grave. Jonah's life, though thought to be lost, was preserved by the Father. Jesus' life, completely lost, was given to the Father. The, the solution of the sailor's dilemma was found in hurling a prophet to his certain death to temporarily appease the judgment of God. But the solution to mankind's dilemma is found in the true prophet, the final prophet, the good prophet, willfully giving his life to eternally please the judgment of God. Jonah's obedience in preaching led to the conversion of Nineveh. But Jesus' obedience on the cross led to the conversion of the nations. This method of interpretation emphasizes the continuity and the fulfillment of Scripture that climax in the purpose and the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when we read that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, we need to know that this was a historical event. But this historical event uh, moves us to see that there is a greater event. There was a great fish that rescued Jonah, but there is a greater salvation for those who would believe. And that is found only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
This historical event not only shows us how the sovereign God of all creation relentlessly, mercifully pursued Jonah with His grace, but also typifies God relentlessly, mercifully, and lovingly pursuing you and me by sending His own Son on the ultimate and final rescue mission. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So what do we do with this passage of Scripture this morning? I pray that the Spirit has shown you that God has appointed. He has appointed your salvation. You have not been saved by chance. God has ordained you to come into faith with Him. That God has been merciful to you to save you. That He just didn't allow you to stay under the judgment and condemnation of His sin, but He sent His only Son to mercifully live the life that you could not live. Die the death that you could not uh, uh, die. To completely satisfy the righteous judgment of God on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin as He shed His blood. That He was buried and He died. He died. He was buried. And three days He arose so that you and I could have life with Him forevermore. And He ascended to heaven to take His seat at the right hand of God so that He could rule and reign and intercede for us. So that He could mediate for us day by day and advocate for us before the Father. And one day, He will come again. And until He comes, we are to be worshiping Him. We are to be growing in Him. We are to be living of Him. We should be believing in Him. This is the message. I pray that God has allowed you to see this. But I believe there are three important applications for us to see this morning as we think about God's great salvation. Not only of the prophet Jonah, but also for you and I. The first application here is an application of repentance and faith. Do you believe this morning that God is sovereign? Do you believe that God appointed a great fish? Do you believe let's go, let's back up a little bit. Do you believe that God appointed a great storm? Do you believe God appointed a great fish? Do you believe that God is sovereign over all things in life and in death? Sovereign over all creation. Do you believe that God is a God who appoints? And this morning you also know that there is an another appointment that God has ordained. That it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. The penalty of sin hangs over every person in this world. And the penalty of that sin is death. And every single person in all of creation is underneath that penalty. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this death, there is to be a judgment. It is to be a, an account to be given for your life. 
account that is measured against not just other men and women, but against a glorious and righteous and holy God who is completely set apart in all His ways, who has revealed Himself gloriously to His people, who has called His people to be obedient fully to His commands. But yet, we have strayed away. None of us are righteous. No, not one. Every man has gone to his own way. And we stand before God with this death sentence on our life, with a coming judgment over our life. And the only answer, the only salvation that we have is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So the call this morning is to call to turn away from your sin, to turn away from your selfishness, and to turn to Jesus, for He is your salvation. Listen, salvation belongs to the Lord. There's no other way by which you can be saved other than Jesus Christ. And so this morning I call you, if you do not know Jesus, to repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in in Jesus Christ for salvation. He's appointed this to you. Now turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. And if you're a believer this morning, I want you to do two things. Two points of application this morning. One, praise God for His mighty and merciful salvation. Praise God this morning that God did not allow you to drown in the floodwaters of your sin, but He rescued you. Just as He rescued Jonah from the judgment of On His sin, God has sent His Son to rescue you. Praise God for the Gospel. This is good news for the church today. This is the reason why we assemble today. Let us praise God for His mighty and merciful salvation. And then finally, I believe that though not found in this particular verse, it is in the thread of this book and the thrust of this, uh, this book and this passage. Believers, we need to surrender our lives to extend the grace of salvation to more and more people so thanksgiving to God may increase to the glory of God. This morning, let us use the grace of God in us for the glory of God around us. There are people. There are, we are living in Nineveh. There are people that are enemies of God. But Jesus has made a way for them to be a friend to God. We are living among people who rebelled against God totally, completely. But we have a message of grace that even while they were yet sinners, Christ, God demonstrated His love toward them that He sent His only Son to die for them. That is the grace that is in us. And let us extend it to more and more people. As Phil and Wes come, and as we think about a runaway prophet and a rescuing God, as we think about a fish, as we think about... Everything that is going on in this passage, 
Make sure that we don't miss the great wonder of our great God who provided a way when there was no way. And we look forward to diving deeper into God's work of mercy in Jonah's heart next week.